Today's episode of Talking with T-Bird here on Robin's Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at BetterHelp Online Counseling. If you think that you may be depressed or feeling overwhelmed or anxious, BetterHelp offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. Now more than ever, this is a time when we can all use somebody to talk to. And right now, of course, where it's so hard to get to see a counselor in person, that's where BetterHelp comes in. It is the perfect solution for those of us who are looking for somebody to talk to. You could talk with your counselor in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas, including anxiety, grief, depression, and relationship conflicts, trauma, anger, self-esteem, and much more. They give you access to help that may not be available in your area or may not be easy for you to get to right now. You fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and they'll match you up with someone who is a specialist in that area in under 48 hours. You can easily secure video or phone sessions with your therapist plus exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is confidential. For any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. You could join the one million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners will get 10% off their first month with the discount code RHAP. So get started today at betterhelp.com slash RHAP. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Yeah, that's right. Talking with T-Bird is back once again, and we're going to be chatting today with Katie Gallagher from uh, Survivor Palau. And here is the woman who finds the survivors, whether they want to be found or not. Here she is, the great Teresa T-Bird Cooper. Hey, Rob, that's right, whether they want to be found or not. And we're getting some good ones lined up. Yes. I've already got the, and I've already got the next, uh, the next one lined up as well. And I know the listeners are going to be really excited about that one too. But today we've got the wild, crazy, sassy, fun Katie Gallagher. Katie Gallagher. Yeah. We are rounding out our trilogy of Survivor Palau. We've had the whole final three on here in season two of Talking with T-Bird. Yeah. I, want, I love this season. Palau. I think it's a great, one of the greatest cast. I really, really like them. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be fun to hear from Katie. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk with Katie Gallagher here in uh, just a moment. Uh, on the last Talking with T-Bird, we talked with Jervis Never Nervous Peterson, and we talked about his movie, uh, Stealing a Survivor. Yeah. Actually, and I rented the movie after you we did. talked to him. Yes, yes. I rented the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. 
I really did. And I know a lot of it had to do, of course, it was Jervis. But it was a really, it was a cute storyline. The, the actors, including Jervis, did a great job. It was funny. I mean, it was it's a fun hour and a half. So I would encourage um, you guys to watch it. Yes. Okay. Uh, then T-Bird, uh, that you watched it with, uh, with your husband or no? Okay. So... Glenn, I think, was watching some sports. Yes. I couldn't I couldn't pull him in on the stealing a survivor. <laughs> so yeah, I tried. I tried. I didn't try real hard because okay. I figured, you know, so you know, he puts up, you know, Rob, he like you call him your angel. He sets me up. He's my angel he because is, he helps me with all of T Bird's tech support. Right. So I couldn't really push it as far as getting him to sit down for the hour and a half for stealing a survivor when, you know, right now the, you know, the Braves are playing, they're in the playoffs. So I don't, I can't, I gotta, I can't, didn't want to push my luck. Do you think that Jervis will give you a role in his sequel to stealing a survivor? Well, I don't know. You know, he mentioned about having me in as a cook. And I was thinking to myself, cook. Wonder why. Remember, didn't he say we're going to have T Bird, we're going to have you in the next one and you're going to be a cook? And I was well, trying to wonder why he said a cook. And then I was thinking maybe, you know, how I like to shoot a video before we mm-hmm. post our uh, talking with T Birds to whatever the character is. I think maybe he saw me do the cooking one with Keith Famey. Or I was burning something. Oh, I think I was burning popcorn also when I did. Yeah. So maybe he saw me having some cooking things that weren't going well. That's all mm-hmm. I can think of. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. So, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Hard to Everything say. else is going good, T-Bird? Everything's going good. I actually saw where Jeff Probst had done an article with Entertainment Weekly that came out on October 14th that they're trying to analyze some new production safety um, things and that he can see survivor going on for at least another five years so i was happy to read that was october 14th of this year yes it came out yes october 14th okay yes it did so it was entertainment weekly so yep i actually just saw the article before we started doing our podcast today so i was happy to see that i think matt uh, van wagenen was saying he'd like to see it go to at least 50 and Prope said, I don't know about 50, but I think we've got at least another five more years in us. So, hey, at, at this point, for the way things are looking right now, I'll take that. That was great news. Okay. T-Bird so. with some breaking news. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let me uh, go ahead and just thank our sponsor before we get to talking with Katie. And those are our friends over at Noom. Uh, Noom is the habit change program that uses psychology to teach you how your mind works so you can understand why you make the decisions that you make and feel empowered to change for good. Now, T-Bird, I feel like that you have uh, only good habits. Oh, Rob, that's not true. <laughs> but, I, I, but, but I'm disciplined. So once I make my mind up to do something, then I can do it. But, you know, I asked you about this Noom thing before about yeah. as far as weight loss. And you said it's not just weight loss, but I've seen all kind of commercials and all of them about Noom are geared toward the weight loss thing. I guess that's what a lot of people probably struggle with, especially now being locked in, you know, locked in at home and 
not being able to move around as much. Yeah, well, the thing with Noom is that you want to pick out the goals that are right for you. And for some people, it might be about uh, losing weight on the scale, but it might be about feeling better in your clothes or having more stamina to keep up with your busy life or being more in tune with your body or even practicing more self-care or feeling confident that Noom is going to work with you to adjust your behavior so that you're eating better to feel better so you have more energy and enjoy exercising again. And then you also are going to work on ways to feel good about the choices that you're making so you also have an improved sense of self-worth and an improved mood and less stress, which is something that I could use uh, to do some work on in my own personal life. Yeah, that stress thing. You've got two young boys. You might have to give up on that for a while. <laughs> right. Uh, Noom, Noom is going to give you specific lessons uh, to help you learn about the psychology of your habits in the ease of just uh, 10 minutes a day. Do you know what I mean? you could do in the span of this podcast? Uh, you're going to have a personalized coach. I've been able to uh, log on to the app that I had a coach named Emily and able to send messages back and forth and talk about your goals. Noom is going to work with your lifestyle so you don't have to commit to a rigorous plan. It's based on psychology. So Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. It's based on a cognitive behavioral approach and uses personalized courses to help you reach your specific goal. And Noom is designed by psychologists. So there's no scientific jargon or complicated stuff to remember. They're the behavior choice experts and they meet you on your level and they only ask for 10 minutes a day. Over 80% of Noomers finish the program and 60% have stuck with their goals for at least one year year. There's a science to getting healthier and it's called Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Rob. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash Rob to start your trial today. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Rob. All right. T-Bird, we've got Katie on the line. Would you go ahead and take it away? All right. Katie Gallagher is an American fashion designer and founder of her own brand in New York City. Gallagher's designs have Whoa. captured the attention no. of Vogue Wait, Italia. Tiber, did you find the, other, the, the wrong wiki? Other, wait, no, no. wait, what? <laughs> Katie, seriously? Because this really? Because this, this little gal looked like <laughs> this little girl looked like you. She had she had really cute blonde hair. She was really. This isn't you. Nope. Well, I'm Katie Gallagher. <laughs> well, we kind of threw. We I kind of did this fast because this was the last minute. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, Katie. You know I love you. <laughs> Rob, Rob. All right, here we go. You ready? Rob, okay. keep it going. All right. All right. Okay. What you will first notice when you meet this much looking younger than her 45 years is her beautiful smile and her amazing heart-shaped face. After only a few minutes of talking to our guest today, you will completely agree with the way she has described herself, optimistic, spontaneous, sarcastic, full of opinions, and hilarious. Or, as her tribe mate Stephanie LaGrosa Kendricks told me, she is, quote, funny as hell, end quote, exclamation point. Not just another pretty face, she graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's degree in communication, TV, radio production, and musical theater. She was not a stranger to reality TV. But it would not be until the primetime Emmy Award-nominated Survivor Palau Season 10 
that we would be introduced to this 29-year-old advertising exec from Merced, California, who positioned herself beautifully with a 40-year-old lieutenant with the New York City Fire Department with strong leadership skills and endurance named Tom and the 23-year-old kind-hearted loyal dolphin trainer from Pennsylvania named Ian. Katie has said that from the start, quote, our hearts were connected, end quote. Their reign would last for 38 days until Ian would correct a betrayal he needed to write and hand Katie literally a chance of a million to sit in the final two. This season mirrored loyalty, the same loyalty and bond we saw in Africa with Lex, Ethan, and Big Tom. Ironic that Katie would originally be considered for season three Africa. Shortly after Africa aired, fate would intervene Or as Lex told me, quote, life leads people to other people, end quote. And her nephew, Jackson, and Lex would play a big part of her survivor journey. Lex helped advise her, and as he has said, was her consultant. There was something sparkly about this girl. She'll be wonderful on the show, said Lex, and he would be 100% accurate. I introduce to you the girl who told the jury at the final tribal council that she had always planned to align herself with strong players and ride their coattails. The girl who was described by a fan as one of the first snarky characters, an underrated player and vastly underrated character. Probably the only player to make it to day 39 with no weight loss. The beautiful, outdoorsy, funny, smart, extraordinary girl with a wicked sharp tongue (laughs) who will tell you the love in her life is her little psycho precious dog, Mabel, who is her whole heart. Making her first solo appearance on RHAP, I introduce to you my friend, Katie Gallagher. Yes. <laughs> Katie! Katie! Katie, you had several big reactions a- along the way. Uh, that, that You you seem to have a big reaction when uh, T-Bird said you had no weight loss uh, during your season. Was that... I have to feel like... Is that something that you said sarcastically? <laughs> yes. Um, that was definitely sarcastic. I, th- I lost, uh, I think, 28 or 30 pounds. But mm-hmm. like that was a, a joke during that time that you know people said I was the only survivor to actually put on weight um, because I was the fat girl. That was, you know, the trolls back in the day said that. So I thought yeah. that was really funny. Okay. <laughs> Let the record show, T-Bird. 28 pounds, okay? That's right. <laughs> yes. yes. Katie, so yeah, actually, I did see that. And I was looking through everything about your weight loss. And I thought, well, I guess she didn't lose any weight. I didn't know, you know, I know that very first individual immunity challenge that you had stepped down for the cookies and milk. So then I thought, well, maybe maybe she didn't lose any weight during the season. (laughs) No, I think I actually said in one of my pre-interviews that I was just there to, you know, this is just a diet plan for me. So Mm -hmm. please don't vote me off until I meet my goal weight. So that kind of set myself (laughs) up for a lot of uh, backlash with the old Survivor Sucks people back in the day. <laughs> yes. And look, uh, that T-Bird, this wasn't like that Katie played in a modern Survivor season where <laughs> it's possible you don't lose that much weight. This is We're talking about old school Survivor T-Bird. That's right. Exactly. You got a yeah. good point there. Now, Katie, that I feel like that we didn't even scratch the surface of what you've been up to since Survivor because that you have now moved behind the camera, correct? Correct. Yeah. 
Can you tell the audience a little bit about uh, what your career has been like uh, since you left Survivor? Um, yeah, I, I would love to. I currently work um, as a uh, field producer uh, or producer in, in a number of different aspects in reality television. So I get to um, follow the people and be part of the journey and help them to tell their story, which I really, really love. Um, and I get to to throw in a little bit of my humor in there to help people tell their story without being personally attacked, which I don't, Mm -hmm. I I found out that I don't like that. I don't like it when people don't (laughs) like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, I I like being on the other side of it because I, I'm able to have a, um, a view of, of the whole scenario, which I, I really like and I really love people and I love stories. So this is a a really fun way for me to do that and you've worked on some really big shows correct yeah i've been very lucky i i feel like my resume is uh, a story in and of itself and that's the way i wanted to that's the way i wanted to move forward in my life can you share any of your credits with the audience uh sure i think probably the one that's closest to survivor um i did i think i did 11 seasons of the challenge on MTV, which, mm-hmm. um, and then the spinoff of the, that includes a spinoff of the challenge. I, I was on that for many, many years. I also did the first, um, big naked and afraid, oh. uh, naked and afraid XL. So that was the first one where they put more than just two people out there, which I really liked. Um, and that was really hard and really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but very close to survivor, but I've done some other shows most recently, million dollar listing Los Angeles, which I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know. What else did I do? I don't remember anymore. Okay. A lot of Katie, <laughs> and Katie, when I was look, researching you, as you can see, some of my research was not completely accurate. <laughs> I saw something about you on Survivor in 2000. Did you do something with, with uh, Survivor then? Um, that might just be the fran- on If you're looking oh, like yeah. an IMDb, it might just be like the overall franchise started in 2000. Correct. You're right. All right, so with Naked and Afraid, you were a film producer. Did you help with the casting? No, I did not help with the casting on that. Um, yeah, maybe that's a good uh, point for the audience who, you know, people who have been out on Survivor have an understanding of what the field producer is. But for people who don't know and just watch the shows, what is the field producer responsible for, Katie? It really differs on every show that you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, you know, in some aspects, you're... You're the person that is with the camera. You're directing the camera. You're also directing the cast in a way. Um, just depends on what sort of scenario it is. Some shows are a little bit more scripted than others. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so you you definitely are directing camera and audio and you're part of the team and you're, you're documenting the story as it happens. And then um, once things happen, like on Survivor, you have to do interviews. So you're tracking the story and then you you sit down and you do interviews with everybody to help weave the storyline along, um, whether they're in the moment or sit down interview. So you, if you're a jack of all trades, you, you do a lot of different things. Sometimes yeah. you do, um, you do, you help with casting. Um, like on when I did, you know, the bachelorette and bachelor in paradise, you help to, uh, from the casting process all the way in. Katie, I'm very jealous because that when I went to go play on Survivor, that from the being out there, I, I thought this was the coolest job. That I that this was like after I played on Survivor, I was like, oh wow, this would be so cool to be one of these people 
that's like, uh, you know, writing in the little notebook and then doing the interviews with everybody and like really like getting to be in it. I just feel like that this is the most fun job that there is uh, with working behind the scenes on a reality show like this. I think so too. Yeah. And you know, people often, you know, I move up and they're like, they want to run the whole show, but I like being in the field. I like being on the ground. I like being part of the story, even if I'm not a character in it, kind of like a, uh, Jeff Probst is part of the show, but right. he's not playing the game. But you like, especially on the challenge, you're playing the game. You just have a different role and you're able to see what everybody's doing, which is so fun. So I agree with you. It is a really fun job, but like your job is really fun too. It, uh, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining, but, uh, that I, I just felt after I went to go play on Survivor that I had to, you know, felt like, oh wow, if I could, uh, you know, somehow get behind the scenes and work on something like this, how, how cool would that be how did you make that transition was it but was it because that uh that you meet any people along the way from being on survivor or was it unrelated um i did but i also you know i i studied television production as much as you could back in the day um and i worked you know my way into television and film i worked at caa and i i did internships and casting in new york and then i came back and when I worked at CAA, it was just, it was not for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then I just went and like taught outdoor education and worked at a camp, you know, after that and um, mm-hmm. did some other stuff. But after Survivor, I was kind of at a crossroads where I was like, what do I want to do? You know, and I was, um, I was a matchmaker at a dating service for a little bit, yeah. producing tables um, of six for people to dine together. And um, then there's a, a kind of a, a a bump in the road when I got sick um, and Jen got sick. And so once that all happened, I, I kind of reset my whole life after I was given basically a second chance at life. I was like, what do I want to do? And I decided I wanted to do exactly what you're saying. I wanted to be a producer. Mm-hmm. And I thought I didn't know how to do that. How do you do that? How do you go to school to be a producer? So I, I started asking around um, and I, I ran into some people at the 10 year reunion of survivor. Yeah. And specifically one of my producers and I said, gave her my resume and she saw what I'd done and was like, I'll give you a shot. But from here, it's up to you, you know? So she gave me the one job opportunity and I, I went from there. Katie, here I am. You mentioned uh, when, when you got sick, what, what kind of health issues did you have? So I got, I was sick for a bit like, pretty much the whole time after Survivor, but I attributed it to, you know, regular Survivor stuff. Like everybody's hair falls out and everybody has a low immune system, but mine just continued on. So I was, I had bronchitis for like a year and a half and they just kept giving me different antibiotics. And I had this weird abscess in my shoulder and I had a weird abscess in my throat. And long story short, um, I had cardiomyopathy. There was a virus that I got that attacked my heart and, uh, it took a year and a half to manifest itself. But by the time we actually caught what it was, it, it had spread to all the organs in my body. And I went to the hospital and they were like, we don't know where to put you because everything's failing. Um, they don't know what caused it. They attributed it to the bite that I got on my back that got infected, the abscess, which then led to the abscess in my throat, yeah. which then led to So it heart. was survivor related. Yeah. That's the thing, you know, like there's no, there's really no way. They don't know for sure. Yeah. They don't know for sure. But like nobody asked me if I'd been to like a tropical island surrounded by rats and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of weird stuff. But I, I just, at the time I was like, 
Sure, it could be it could be anything. It could be any virus we catch, you know, today that kills us and attacks our heart. That's what COVID does. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I had coronavirus back in the day. <laughs> I don't know, but I fully recovered and um I, you know, I I like to live in the future. Yeah. Not in the future, but live in the moment to, you know, rather than go back and be like, yeah, Survivor did that. I'm, you know, I don't know what happened, but I I survived. How's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's, it's funny because you mentioned about the rats because we talked to Jervis last week and he was thinking that with Borneo, they were basically the only season with rats. But you guys had a lot of rats, too. My God, we had so many rats. I feel like I know a lot more about rats than I do about human beings. Just observing their behavior. <laughs> yeah. We're very similar. We're very similar. Did you eat rat there? Did, like, no, they wouldn't did? let us eat the rats. They wouldn't let us. We wanted to. They wouldn't let us eat the rats. They wouldn't let us eat the snakes. We wanted to eat everything. In fact, I almost ate a producer's calf one day. I was so hungry. It looked like a chicken leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Katie, why did you apply? I mean, I mentioned in the intro that you were looked at for Africa. When, what made you want to apply? Did you apply before Africa? And how many more times did you apply before you got cast? I always wanted to do, I wanted to do Survivor since the first moment I saw it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I could do this. This is one of the things I could do. This is made for me because I used to teach survival skills and I love people and communication and human dynamic and, you know, how people relate to one another. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is made for me. Um, (laughs) Except for the challenges part. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not made for me, but I, you know, if old grannies do it, I figured I could do it too. Um, so I actually wrote my senior thesis in college on survivor and the portrayal of women and, um, the stereotypes of women in reality television it was the worst grade I ever got because I had no bibliography. I was only ready writing about survivor real world cops and, uh, the apprentice at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, and they gave you a bad grade because you yes. didn't have enough sources cited. Exactly. It was only, I, so I graduated with like a, a 3.995 because of that one oh C that I got, but I wanted to write oh, about it. Man. Because I was passionate about it. It was what I wanted to do. And, um, so what was I your tried- takeaway then, Katie, from, uh, way back when? I, it hasn't really changed so much, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's the basic story of who's our villain, who's our ingenue, who's the bitch, is she the villain? And that's where I, I came up with the idea that there was never a funny narrator that was a female because it was, it was you. Rob, it was it was the Rob C, the narrator, the funny guy that tells the story that the audience can relate to, mm-hmm. and I wanted I wanted to be that as a, as a woman because um, there's never like there's a clown usually, but it's not usually a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I wanted to break that stereotype, and I think I sort of did that. Although I fell more into like a kind of a, a bitchy, snarky, which I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we all are a little bitchy at times, but. Yeah, so I I always wanted to do it. I used to like make everybody shut up after the Super Bowl so I could watch Survivor and I would tell people it was because I was going to be on it. And so after college, I tried out and I was a finalist for what was to be Africa. And I didn't make it past the top 500. And I'm glad I didn't because I don't think I would have done very well in Africa. Um, oh, then- so Katie, hold on a minute. So just so you know, I want to make sure I get this 
out there. I talked to Lex and he wanted me to let you know that he wished you had taken Kelly G's place because Kate would have, he said Katie would have been my girl because, because listen to this, Katie, Lex and I figured out, well, basically I didn't figure it out. Lex did. You and Kelly G were the same character. And he's so right. The very, you know, intelligent girl with the great snarky confessionals. And of course, you know, Lex and Kelly G didn't really get along as well as Lex probably would have hoped or Kelly G would have hoped. So he wished you had been on the season. Okay, carry on. Oh, I love Lex so much. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. So I I tried out. I didn't make it. And then I did not try out again um, because I was trying to figure out why I didn't make it. and. And where I was in my life, and I realized I needed, to, you know, because basically after school, I was like, okay, so after school, I go on Survivor. Like, that's the plan, right? And I think that the casting people wanted a little bit more. Um, they wanted they wanted more. Mm-hmm. They wanted someone that had something else going on in their life. So I went ahead and lived my life and moved back to my hometown and uh, started working in radio and had a advertising executive job. And I say that in quotation marks. Um, because it sounded fancier. I was no exact. I was an account executive, but I was not an executive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went and I did that and I just kind of all the stars aligned and I just always knew I was going to do it. And every time I would watch it, I, I would watch it in a way where like, how would I, how do I respond to this scenario? What would I do if I was in you know these, these people's shoes or non shoes? And it worked. I, it still to me is like the biggest con ever that I've <laughs> on there. I was like, feel like I was out of body because yeah. I'm like the hugest fan. And like I was there. Katie, did you feel like because you had studied the subject matter so much that you felt like that you had a way to sort of like hack the system to be able to get on and be able to, you know, figure out exactly what they were looking for and then give that back to them? I totally hacked the system. Mm-hmm. I broke in and I was, I felt like I was like some sort of like, I don't know. I felt like I was undercover. Like I just, I had it. I felt like I knew what they wanted and I was so excited to be part of what they were doing. And I knew that it was going to be a big thing to kind of make Mark Burnett understand my, my point of view. But I think, you know, it worked. Obviously they put me on, but I don't think they'd ever put me back on. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, it was, it was really cool. I, I feel really grateful. It was like one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. Done some cool stuff, but like this is a good one to, to sit around the campfire and, and tell stories about. Yeah, I would just love to know a little bit more about that. You talked about how you wrote your thesis about uh, the depiction of women on the show. And now you've gone through the show and now you work behind the scenes on reality TV. But do you feel like that the issues are more like in terms of like the who's being cast on the show or in terms of like the that not enough women behind the scenes are you, are you able to sort of like now that you've seen how the sausage is being made be able to like better put your finger on like the issues that you were looking way uh, back all the way back from when you wrote your thesis yeah i mean i like that i'm a part of that now and i like to try and break through those stereotypes all the time. But we also, you know, being in the field, you're not always all the way through in, um, in post. So you, you can only give them what you give them Mm -hmm. and, you know, take your notes, but I only have a piece of that, um, process and, you know, I'm working on, I'm, I'd love to work more in the post process to help mold that, but those stereotypes very much do exist. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of, of trying to break through it and being aware of it and, you know, getting people to open themselves up 
You know, it's when you are closed off in this kind of scenario, I think that it limits you on what kind of edit you can get. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that I didn't edit myself so much in the moment. I was so guarded with my game. There was no way I was ever going to say I'm the puppet master ever. And even, and they kept trying to make me say I was the puppet master. And I was like, I'm just not saying it. I'm not going to say either one of those words in any kind of world. Cause I know that that would be my downfall. Once you say that it, ego takes a hold of you and. Um, sorry, I digress. No, I'm but. interested to know. So you uh, didn't want to say that about your game because you felt like that it would be, it would mess you up internally, or you felt like that it would be misconstrued. A cu- both of those things. Um, I didn't want to say it because I know once you get once you get cocky like that, your game goes down. Um, but also, I didn't want to give them any of that to use. But mm-hmm. you know, I wish I was like, I'm a puppet master. Who cares? Like, who, who know? You know, like, who cares? If you just, you just got to let yourself. I just was, I, I was definitely a little bit more guarded than I, I, I think I would be if I did it again. And, and I tell people that, you know, when they're in interviews and, and being guarded, I'm like, this is your opportunity to let somebody in. What's going on in here? But mm-hmm. I never did really think I was the puppet master. That's. The, the long and short of it is I, I don't think I was the puppet master, but I knew exactly what was going on while it was going on. And I wish I would have verbalized that more clearly. Katie, when you watched the first nine seasons before you were cast, was there any player that reminded you of you? Or you thought, <laughs> yes. I want to play because like that? I, sorry, go ahead. Or you, that you said, hey, I want to play like that. That's going to be who I'm going to play like. They asked me that question and I didn't, you know, they ask, I think every cast member that, right. They say, who do you, who do you identify with most? Um, and it was Rob. Yes. <laughs> it was oh, you. Wait, hold up. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. Which Rob, which, which Rob, Boston C, Rob. which Rob? Yeah. No, it was Rob C. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't think there was anybody like me that, you know, I was like, there is nobody like me, but if you wanted to put me into, uh, something this is what i want to do this is how when he says things i feel it i feel it you know i like i feel you bro well if anything i I would say that i was not guarded that i would just uh said whatever stupid things popped into my head at the time and i I could have used somebody's things to like no rob be be a little bit more guarded are you sure you want to say that i said a lot of shit i spoke mostly most candidly either about willard or the rats but none of that really made the show Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could do a whole show about that. <laughs> about Willard? And the rats. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Willard and the rats. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so Katie, y'all started out with 20 players, but quickly, Jonathan and Wanda and Jonathan were eliminated. I think I remember that you kind of waved bye to them, but d- did you feel bad to think, God, that could have been me? I've waited all this time to play this game, and here I am one night and then gone. So how did you feel about those two? I was crying. I was crying when they left. We were all crying. It's just, a, it's such a buildup to get out there and then not be able to play. And, and they'd never done that before. So it was really heartbreaking. You know, you want to, I mean, of course it's a game and it's like cutthroat, but that early on, it's like, come on, we, they don't, they didn't even get to, you know, like do anything. The, the challenge was swimming to the, to the Island, you know, mm-hmm. But it was also, you know, it was a challenge in and of itself to to sleep and 
be with people and socialize with people and, and make a shelter. Like there was a lot of time that went by. And then at that point, it was strictly a social strategic move. And you saw exactly where the cards lied. Mm-hmm. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that if Wanda and Jonathan would have gotten into the regular game, that do you feel like that they would have been around for a while? Or do you think that what ended up happening, it was inevitable? Yeah. It was totally inevitable. I mean, you see it like Stephanie has such a great personality and everybody you want to be around her and she's got a great attitude and she's a hard worker and she's, she's awesome. So Stephanie jumped out of the boat just like Jonathan did, Mm -hmm. but Jonathan didn't have a social game, you know? And then Wanda seemed, you know, honestly, we love Wanda. Yes, we love Wanda. So, but like, everyone does dogs, people. And we love Mabel. And we love Mabel, too. Mabel. Hey. Wanda was just saying, I mean, Wanda. I just called Mabel Wanda. Mabel. <laughs> my dog. I mean, Katie, do you, you know that we celebrate Wanda on this podcast. And I yes. celebrate Wanda, too. Yes. I love Wanda. I love what you do. I think Wanda is great. I feel like Wanda would have been uh, on Coror if things had been moved around a little bit. She was definitely, you know, mm-hmm. she was wacky. We were at a really wacky team. So I feel like... If anything, Wanda would have would have ended up on our tribe. <laughs> would have been. Well, what did you since you had watched all these seasons? What did you think when you saw Stephanie and Bobby John? Did you think, oh, this is good, or oh, I don't know about this? I mean, they're typical Survivor contestants, right? I mean, what do you did mean? you think though? Did you think uh, we need to go ahead and get them out? They played oh, before. No. They're they're popular. We. No, absolutely not. Bobby John was such a hard worker. You want to keep him around. And like I said, Stephanie was just killer. And But you can also see like how um, driven she was by the fact that she jumped off. Like that was definitely a target. But Stephanie and I went to the same college. Like we had... I had a few kind of underlying alliances that the audience never saw. And one of those was with Stephanie. Um we didn't know each other, but our roommates were friends in college. We went to the same college at the same time. Um, and she saw that I was wearing a Monmouth University sweatshirt in the casting process. And I just called her Jersey because she reminded me of someone I went to college with, not knowing that she was actually someone I went to college <laughs> with. So when we had that conversation, we were like this. And then her and Tom had a thing. And then Ian and I had a thing. So, you know, I also feel like... And this Stephanie, was like a day one thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but day zero. Day with, zero, with, yeah. Uh, Ian and Tom and Stephanie too. I let her borrow my hair dryer or something. I don't, oh, I don't for know. at Ponderosa before the game even started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote it in my journal. She said something to me. I don't know, but you know, we had a little like winky wink thing. It was a connection. And Bobby John, are you kidding? He's so handsome and like so hardworking and like kind of crazy. Like he was just interesting to watch. <laughs> and he also looked like Jesus. So you like don't want to vote out Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched all the seasons? Are you still watching them, Katie? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a couple here and there that I, I was traveling for work. So I didn't get to watch it in real time. And I think it was one time when Rob interviewed me and I like he asked about Russell and I had the wrong Russell and I'm still embarrassed about it to, to this day. But yeah, I, tr- I try and watch um, in real time if I can. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of the show. Always what's have been. been your favorite, what's been your favorite season of all the seasons that stands out? God, um, I mean, mine, because I was there. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, 
I really would love to go back and rewatch. I haven't done that. I know. I mean, Africa, obviously, because my heart is is attached to that. But also, I think I really liked. I'm kind. I'm old school. Yeah. I cannot remember what the new seasons are because I'm actually not just old school. I'm old. <laughs> but um, I really liked uh, fans versus fans versus. What was the first one? Was it fans versus, fans versus favorites? favorites? Yes, season sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. Um, and all stars. Obviously, the first all stars. A hundred percent. That one's not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, so I'd love to know, as somebody who's watched this thing the whole way through and w- with your background, do you think that things have gotten better or worse for women over the course of 40 seasons for Survivor? Um, that's a good question, Rob. That's why you do this. Um, I, I feel like we still have the same struggles. Um, but, you know, when I wrote that thesis... I had done all these crazy, I don't know what I was doing, all of this stuff. And basically, when I did it, the odds were for women to win. Because at the time that I did it, if you were a woman and you were a mom, the odds are likely that you're going to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's the case any longer. I think that things have definitely shifted. And it's time for a woman to win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet again. I think that shifted. Katie, I think that shifted in Africa when the mom was supposed to win. Didn't it, Rob? I'm I think thinking. So. Well, it shifted that, that early. I haven't really thought this through as much as as you must have, but I, I'm wondering if, like, maybe like things have sort of like uh, flipped in, in some in, in some way where that you could be, you know, an idiot and have like a, a big edit, like like somebody <laughs> like me had early on. But you might have been more likely to win the game if you were maybe a female player who was sort of under the radar. And now, uh, and and, and maybe it's not even flipped. It's just maybe just altogether gotten worse where now a woman hasn't won the game since Sarah won in Survivor Game Changers. It's been six seasons in a row since a woman has won the game. So basically that they've made changes to the game structurally that make it almost impossible for an under the radar woman to win. And I'm not necessarily sure. I think that the, the edit situation probably has gotten a little bit better, but to the point where that still most of the bigger characters on the show tend to be a, a lot of the male players. So maybe there's some improvement edit wise, but the win rate wise, women are, are almost like totally out of the conversation. Yep. We need more women, period, across the board. Um, I feel like that's something that hasn't hasn't changed. In production or in the cast? Both. No, I mean, I mean, the cast, it's pretty even. But, you know, it's like... Why not, though? Is, is, that, a, is that a crazy idea to have a Survivor season and if, if you had, uh, you know, 12 w- women and 8 men? <laughs> I would love that. That would be amazing. Great idea. And that wouldn't be nuts. No, it, I don't think it would be nuts. I also think you have to add in. We're eleven and nine. Yeah, yeah, but you guys, if that happened, if that happened, that everybody would say, "Well, the women had the advantage starting out, so they wouldn't get their fair win." Uh, you know that would happen, right? I think the well, the eleven women would take that. I don't think they'd be worried about an asterisk. <laughs> well, I think that. I think you have another element to it with the the hidden immunity idols that that steers the game in a different direction than mm-hmm. um, you know than we played with. Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff is like that changes the game. It changes how things work. It allows producers to produce a game that isn't producible mm-hmm. um, by adding elements of a game into it and hiding behind that. 
So, so do you not do you not like that, Katie? No, <laughs> doesn't sound like it. <laughs> so, so you'd rather take it out and be basically old school. Yeah, the social game, the social game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. the social game's more a place apart. Yeah, I I agree with that as well. I don't mind a little bit of it thrown in, but it seems like it's we've gotten where it's it's in every play, every single play. There's something thrown in. It seems like mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, I'm I'm into the like throwing things in, you know, like mixing the game up. But I think that going back to the original um, would be wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah. Because I think you have a unique perspective on it as somebody who's a, you know, a field producer who's out there and has a good understanding of what's good television and what's not. And I feel like that they do such a great job of finding interesting people for the show. I feel like that I'd like to spend more time with these characters necessarily than like different like game mechanics that get thrown in. Absolutely. That's like the first season of Survivor where they didn't know what was happening and they didn't know what they were doing. And it was just about the people and like surviving and like bug bites and like the, you know, the d- big dilemma. Do we, you know, do what do we eat? How do we do that? Like, I find that so interesting and fascinating. And that's why I love Naked and Afraid because it is all of that survival stuff. But it's missing the element of a game. It's missing. There is a weird innate. Mm-hmm. Uh, competition thing that's happening because you're competing with yourself to see if you can do it. But when you add in that game element, it really, it ups this, the ante. And I think that that is what makes Survivor so unique and so different. So like, I think if you take it back to that raw Survivor mm-hmm. game and the people, like we want to know that we don't know the people until we're down to what, seven people suddenly. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh wait, I'm sorry. Yep. I just learned your name. You know, I I don't know anyone's name until we get further on into the season when you get to know the people. Yeah. And then you get to start and I get it. I mean, that's how it works, but I feel like we knew the people a lot better back in the day before there were so many elements. I have a friend who swears by Naked and Afraid XL. Mm-hmm. He watches it every season. He loves it. And because I, I didn't know about this, that Naked and Afraid XL is more of like a survivor season than the regular Naked and Afraid is just two people. But there's like a whole tribe of people on Naked and Afraid XL. Yes. And I actually, I hate to admit, I haven't seen the other seasons besides the one I worked on. Mm-hmm. And this was the first one that ever we ever did, which was really cool. And we just kind of put the different uh, people in different places all over this Colombian area. And like they found each other and there was a map and it was very raw and it was very real. And we were right. It was, I got to like play Survivor kind of. Um, but it was naked. They just were naked and it was so weird that they were naked. I still like it's, it never has never, like never warmed it, up to it. Never it never got normal. No, <laughs> no, it, they were still naked. And I was like, why are we naked? Like, are we, what are we doing? So, <laughs> Katie, so you've got it. You have, you have got to have a funny behind the scenes story about naked and afraid XL or bachelorette or something that somebody did. Just give us the, your the one that stands out. Oh, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't. You, oh, you don't well, have one. I mean, it's kind of funny. I was just talking about this the other day because I was working one of the uh, working with one of the guys that was um, one of the audio supervisors. Uh, we worked together on another show, and I was like, I haven't seen you from, since Columbia, and we were laughing because it was so. I mean, we were wearing masks, and like we just finished shooting, and 
the time of COVID. And I'm like, I think that's you. Is that you under there? And he's like, yeah. And I'm, you know, we were just reminiscing and it was so hot when we were working in Columbia. I think it was mm-hmm. 124 degrees and we're all wearing like all of these clothes and we're so hot and these people are naked and like, we're hot. And so every day at lunch, I would, I would just call it and the crew, we would just take off all of our gear, put all of our game. Like we're just, get, everything's on hold. Naked people over here. You're just humans. We're just humans. Everybody's hot. We would take all of our gear off and we would jump into these, this, uh, piranha infested lagoon where they were living and we would all swim together with these naked people and our crew, we were totally clothed. We would mm-hmm. just jump in in our clothes. So we would cool our body temperature down, but that would be our, our lunch hour was swimming with naked people in, um, in Colombia because we were, it was so, I was, I was like, wow, yeah. we were, you know, we kind of talking to him and just, you know, cause you don't talk to anybody in, in the, in, and that's not a game, but yeah. in the show, you do not communicate with them unless you're doing an interview you know, um, or dealing with a medical issue, you do not, you, you know, it's the same thing as survivor. So that was just a moment where we're all kind of human trying to not be so hot. But that's amazing. So you've been shooting a reality show during this uh, time of COVID. Yeah, we just wrapped uh, a week ago. And nobody got COVID. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Wow. So yes. are you surprised that Survivor has not been able to figure out a way to shoot during this cycle where that they originally they were supposed to film in March and then they pushed the season back and then they were going to shoot in May and then they didn't. And then Jeff Probst said in the Survivor 40 finale, we're committed to being on the air this fall. And ultimately, they said that there was uh, too many crew safety issues where they weren't able to film a season. It doesn't look like that Survivor is scheduled to get back to filming until maybe the spring of 2021. Wow. The production that I did was uh, only a few weeks of production. Mm-hmm. So that, that takes down your um, exposure time. If some, anybody did, we got, we got tested every, every other day. Um, but we, all, we weren't in a controlled environment when we were off work. So I feel like Survivor, because they have this production where they basically live on an island and they're in charge of that um, and that they have a controlled environment, they should be able to do it. But then you also, they utilize a lot of people locally. So there's really no way to control that element mm-hmm. and that aspect. If you've got you know, somebody that is doing your, um, your boat transportation and that person is leaving the bubble, then that puts everybody at risk. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get it, but I bet they're figuring it out. Okay. And they're probably going to do how? a lot of seasons at one so. time. I hope me so. I hope so. Yeah. Me, me too. Katie, how many people were on the crew that you just wrapped up? Um, about, would you say? Probably maybe 50 total, but we were in a huge warehouse. It was an old ice cream factory. And we had zones. So just in my specific mm-hmm. group of producers, camera, audio, and cast, it was maybe 25 people mm-hmm. in, this, in a gigantic space. All of our interviews were very far from one another. We were all wearing PPE except for the cast. and they would- You'd be willing to consult with Survivor and then uh, share what you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything. Okay. <laughs> just showed up. So, <laughs> great so job. Kate, Kate, <laughs> Katie and Rob, I was I was reading somewhere that the production crew for Survivor was like over four hundred 
people yeah. of, from all from all these different countries. So I guess the numbers is so large. But Katie, yeah, how about sounds this? A little high, would, but uh, it is a yeah. big production. Katie, what would it take for you, or would you want to? I think you might to get on the Survivor production crew because you have the background. Would you want to? Have you tried to? I tried briefly and um, was told I couldn't do it because in my specific role, because if I was to interview somebody that knew who I was, that had an idea or a preconceived mm-hmm. idea of who I was, they might not give me a candid interview. Um, so I was like, sure. Can I just work in the art department? This was like very mm-hmm. early on in my career. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were like, I've worked with a lot of people from Survivor. I've worked with Mark Burnett. I just finished up a show with Roma Downey, but it's not, I don't think I could work in this capacity Mm -hmm. on Survivor, although I would absolutely love the opportunity to do that. I just, maybe now that it's been a long time, this was like, you know, I don't know, 12 years ago that I asked. I never Mm -hmm. asked again. Yeah. Katie, that uh, I said in the opening about how, you know, this is sort of like the third uh, piece of this trilogy that we've done here in season two of talking with T-Bird where we talked with Tom, we talked with Ian, and now we're talking with the final part of that final three here today. How close uh, do you remain with those guys? I, first of all, I feel honored. I always feel honored to even be in the same conversation with those guys. And I'm going to cry um, because I love them so very much. Mm-hmm. And we're all very close. Our lives obviously have gone in different directions, but that is a bond that, that you can't really describe except for like family, you know, their family. And because it's rare. It's not like every season is like, Oh yeah, of course the final three is always very, you know, very tight. Yeah. It, their family to me, there's just like a really strong connection. Maybe I'm just a stalker. I don't know, but <laughs> I love them with everything I have. No, I, I got from, from our conversations with both Tom and Ian that, it's, you know, you, you guys had like a real bond and maybe because it was you were together those entire 39 days, to the, you know, the three of you on the same, on the same tribe, you know, from start to finish. I think that plays a big part too. Yeah, that and um, in combination with the fact that we were just like hanging out, mm-hmm. like we were just hanging out and we talked about the game. But for the most part, I think, you know, we were playing like, Huckleberry Finn out there. We were just playing. It was fun. <laughs> it was really fun. And it was horrible. You know, the elements were horrible and we were just really just bonding and, and we were at camp, which is like a weird camp. <laughs> Katie, the final um, immunity challenge that lasted for close to 12 hours, I think you lasted, what, five hours, which is uh, nothing, nothing not to be proud of, that's for sure. After the five hours, did you did you say I don't need to do this? What they're gonna one of them's gonna take me, or did you say I just can't do it any longer? Neither of those things, T Bird. I actually was about to have explosive diarrhea, and I was wearing Greg shorts, (laughs) and I didn't know if they were gonna play it or not. But that's why I jumped off because I had to poop. I was wearing Greg shorts, and I didn't want to shit in Greg shorts because I just got them voted off, and I was like. I don't, it's whether or not I do it here or I do it in the water. Like I, I, I was so, I could have lasted longer, but I also knew, first of all, I was like, it, I have embarrassed myself in every challenge 
this entire, not every challenge, but most of them. And I was like, wow, they're really, they've really got some material. And I was super paranoid and weird. I don't mm-hmm. think they would ever show anyone pooping on national television. But like, <laughs> but wouldn't that have been a legendary moment, Katie, that still would have been remembered to this day? <laughs> Once again, guarded, Rob. If yeah. I, I should have just shit in Greg's shorts. <laughs> that would have made like television history, right? And then I could have stayed. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up just pooping in the water and it was basically liquid anyway. So like, mm-hmm. what's the point? And your face is so funny right now, Rob. <laughs> I'm like, it's so good. <laughs> but that's, that's what happened. And, and I was like, also, you know, I thought about that for a long time. And I thought about, you know, this was my challenge to win. And this is the only card I'm going to have at the final tribal council is to say, hey, listen, I didn't win a challenge until it was time to win it. And yeah. I felt like I could. But I also knew that I knew that Tom and Ian were never going to give up. And I knew that both of them needed to bring me to have any chance of actually winning the whole thing. So I was like weighing the pros and cons and Greg shorts and shit and the whole shebang. And I was like, five hours is a good (laughs) run. And I'm going to go poo. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait, I think that deserves a ding. Hey, so Katie, so I know you were saying, uh, I don't know how to segue to something else here. You said you were maybe a, a little disappointed with, you know, the way you did in challenges, could you build fire? Did you practice that before you left? I could. Yes, I very much could. I I didn't need to because the boys did everything. They like to do that kind of stuff at camp. Um, But yeah, no, I I used to teach survival skills like that. I practiced how to do that. I knew how to do that. I could have done that. I was also a really good swimmer, um, but I ripped the skin off my hands in the first... uh, challenge and I couldn't use them for 12 days, which never played on the entire show. You just see me with these like raggedy strips on my hands, but I literally, you could see like, that's probably where I got some sort of virus, but I just had these raw hands. I couldn't go in the salt water. I had to go every day out into the water to clean my hands because the medics were like, that's the only way you can do anything about it. So I would, we called it the baptism and I would go out and I would prepare myself and sit at the edge of, um, I'd sit in the outrigger and get into mental space to then go out into the water and dip my hands in the salt water. Cause then, and then Jen would hold me up cause I was going to pass out cause it was such horrible pain. And, um, yeah, I never got to really show any of the swimming stuff because it hurt. And, and if you look at it, those challenges I didn't do was because they were in the water, which I felt like was my strong point, but I knew, um, I knew I couldn't swing on a rope. That was a big thing. I actually said that in our first meeting. And then, of course, the first challenge was me swinging on a rope. Mm-hmm. But I did it. Mm-hmm. It just took like 46 times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what your question was, T-Bird. I'm sorry. Hey, I don't know what it was either, but I love what you're, how you're answering it. Katie, tell me the funny story about a dog named Buffett. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I'm serious. A dog named Buffett. <laughs> oh my god um so, <laughs> are you kidding i don't know if i could do this children listen to this my nephews listen well it i mean you matter. just tell, you just told the story about the final three yeah. immunity challenge yeah is it worse right. <laughs> yes it's worse wow it's worse t-bird are you serious well rob we can always edit right i guess so i don't know the story <laughs> okay, you, you well, know more than i do t-bird my sister told me not to tell this story until I really knew my audience mm-hmm. on Survivor, but it was one of the funniest stories and um, that I ever told my family. It was like the most embarrassing moment of my life that, that far. Um, I've had some more embarrassing moments, but that one really does take the cake. So 
this happened to me. I was very ashamed of it. I didn't tell anybody. And then for whatever reason, right before Survivor, I told my sister and my dad, God rest his soul. Um, and my nephew was just born and he was in the stroller, so he didn't really hear it. But my dad was laughing so hard that like no sound was coming out of his mouth. And he was crying because it was just like something you don't tell your family. Anyway, so I told the story the first night. <laughs> On Survivor, yes, and which was not what my sister told me to do. She told me to wait, um, but I didn't. And wait I told until it, when? Until I knew my audience, okay. and I told it the first night, um, which I thought I knew my audience. You know, it was like twenty people in one shelter, but my audience was oh, like Tom before you even went to, to <laughs> yeah to Karor. You, you okay? Yes, but Tom tells the story that you know he realized when I told that dirty story that he wanted me around because I told good stories, and you're never really going to get bored of this girl's going to continue with these terrible stories. Um, do I tell the story? It's, it seems like a lot. Yes, you got to tell it now. Okay, we got to hear it. Did My I mom, she you looks very distressed. <laughs> okay, whatever. If you're not comfortable. It's- <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So it's my 23rd birthday. My boyfriend got super drunk the night before my birthday, got wasted, passed out. We ended up sleeping in his grocery apartment above this bar. I was in New Jersey. We were going to go to his brother's house in Connecticut um, for the weekend, on my birthday weekend, which is Memorial Day weekend. But I was so upset. I, I was going to break up with him, but I, I didn't want to do that because it's my birthday weekend. So the next morning, I was like, you know what? I'm not driving to Connecticut. You need to drive in your dirty car because we'd always take my car, which was like, over. I was just bitter. I didn't want to drive my car. I made him drive. I cried all night. So I was sleeping in the car on the way to Connecticut. I was passed out. We were on the parkway or whatever. And I wake up and the boyfriend is masturbating in the car. It's middle of the day on the parkway. And he's got this whole setup for it. He's got like, it's like American pie kind of thing. Like he's got like the napkins on one leg. And and he's driving? (laughs) Yep. He's got one hand here. He's got the napkins on one leg. Well, it was illegal emotionally mm-hmm. yeah. for me. So he's doing that and he's got his little napkins and the napkins are like those kind of little thin napkins that are like tissue paper that you get from like the bagel place, yeah. you know, and they're like stacked up <laughs> on his leg. And I look over and I'm like, ah, what are you doing? And he goes, shh, I was not part of whatever he was mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. And, it, and so I had to sit there and I'm like looking out the window and like a single tear is like streaming down my face. I'm waiting for him to finish. So he finishes and he makes this huge mess all over the car and the napkins aren't enough and he's trying to clean it up and he reaches behind his seat and he gets this little sock, this dirty sock. His car was a mess and he uses that to clean everything up. And I'm just still weeping. and I'm hysterical and I'm deciding that I'm going to get really drunk all weekend. And then I'm going to break up with him after, after I like ruin the weekend. Mm-hmm. So he puts <clears throat> the dirty sock in his side door. Um, and we get to his brother's house and his brother has a dog named Buffett who was a retriever and her favorite trick was to put something in her mouth and she would sing and the whole family would clap and yay Buffett. So um, the whole family is waiting in this big Victorian house on the porch and they're waiting for the the prodigy son to arrive and his girlfriend, me. And um, we get out of the car. He gets out of the car. Buffett comes running over and he's like, Buffett! Because we love that dog. And Buffett makes a straight beeline for that sock and takes that sock and runs around the yard and the whole family's cheering, yay! And he's saying, no, Buffett, no! <laughs> he's chasing her around with the sock and I laughed and fell to my knees and we broke up that weekend. 
Okay, so so T Bird, T Bird, you okay? All right, follow up note here. No, uh, Ashley, Rob, I did not know the story. (laughs) You know, I like to, I I like to, (laughs) I like to research. Which Rob knows, Katie. I like to research by following up with people that know you. And so, someone told me, but don't tell them. I told you. Now I should have realized that that should have been my first sign. To ask her to tell the funny story about a dog named Buffett. That's, that's all I knew. That's Tom. And I, mm-hmm. and I trusted, I trusted this person. And so th- there you go. Okay. Should it, I it don't even Tom. know. Should we do it? Mm-hmm. It was Tom. I cannot give out my resources. He's a hundred percent Tom. I know it. You don't need to confirm or deny. Well, hold on, I know. Well, now I know why he didn't forget that story. It's may that, that once you hear it, you will, I, that we'll all remember it for the rest of our lives too. I hope that ex boyfriend isn't following me anywhere. I'm going to put that in my biography, but I've now just given a little tease yeah. to the stories of my life. <laughs> I thought you knew, so I told the story. But Check out his that's LinkedIn. Probably not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, but but as the story was progressing, I was thinking, uh oh, this this is going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! Well, you know, I cannot. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just say no? Why didn't I just say no? It's not appropriate. Like now, I'm sweating and I feel uncomfortable, and I apologize to everyone. And Rob, please edit that out, please. <laughs> I prodded you. I was pushing you to tell the story, but you know you what? were doing it much. Uh, that I feel like <laughs> you, that you you took a you took a risk and you put yourself out there, and I think that strategically because we talk about this a lot with like Big Brother that you uh, made yourself like somewhat vulnerable to this group of people of like hey here's here's an embarrassing story about me. And I think that it makes you a very likable figure. And you didn't know this at the time, but you're about to have a vote to ultimately determine if you're going to stay safe or not in the game. And in hindsight, you know, if uh, Jonathan Libby had a uh, Jimmy Buffett or Warren Buffett story in his back pocket, maybe that might have changed the, the whole trajectory of the game. It's a Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. That's more of a Jimmy Buffett story than a Warren Buffett story. But uh, yeah, he, I I got picked first too. Yeah. Which is like never happened ever in the history of my life. So that was a home run. Buffett. Good job. Yep. (laughs) There you go. Good boy. So Katie, I know you watch big brother. I know you're a big, big brother fan. You are also. Oh my goodness. She is. Katie watches big brother also. I know. I started watching it last season, Katie, because um, Bailey was on. She's a Delta flight attendant, blah, blah, blah. That's why I started watching it, and then I got hooked on it. Um, But I see that two of your friends, Team Purple, are on The Amazing Race, Will and James. Yes. I'm so excited. I, my... I didn't get to see the beginning of the episode, but I'm, I couldn't be more over the moon for them. They definitely both really wanted to do this for mm-hmm. a long time. And I've been friends with James. I met him right after I got home from Naked and Afraid, actually, at an, uh, an event. Um, and we just hit it off. And he's just such a great guy. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of just going after you know what it is that you want in your life. Like I'm not a stereotypical like oh you'd be great on survivor kind of person you know but i was and i did it because it's what i wanted to do and it turned out really well for me so i i I am a big fan of going for your dreams go out go go for it don't be scared katie what did you do on your survivor video i like to ask (laughs) for the for the fans listening so they get some some fun ideas 
So I went to an open call and um, it, God, it always, I had a, I had a bad boyfriend <laughs> and uh, I, I think we've touched that. on that. that I think we've got different, yeah. different <laughs> boyfriend, different bad boyfriend. <laughs> so I ditched work. I was working in sales and we like, I could go and come and go as I please. But my boss was a really big survivor fan. And this was like a really big deal because they were doing an open casting call at the mall in Fresno. So I drove like an hour and a half to the Fresno mall and it was really hot and I was in line and the press was there and they were filming people and I was like, Oh my God, my boss is going to see me in line for this. And I said, I was like at a different client's office, but um, there's all these people that were so annoying that were around me in line. And like the guy in front of me was like, I'm trying out for survival. I'm like, you don't even know the name of the show. This other guy was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I actually hate you. Like get away from me. So I called my sister. I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can wait in this line. And I was standing in front of like an engagement ring store, which is making me really bitter about boyfriend at the time. And then I called my sister and I just ripped on everybody and told her about how much I didn't want to be in that line and how I didn't know what I was going to say because I only had like three minutes. And she goes, you need to tell that story. Tell the story of the people in line. And I did. And um, I ripped on them and it worked. I also mentioned, you know, doing it for my nephew and all of that sweet stuff. But I mean, mostly said, please don't call me if you call any of these people. And then I proceeded to impersonate all the people that were in line next to me for the last few hours. And uh, it was like a little, they called it a little stand up show. Impromptu. And it worked. That, you know, that's Katie. I don't know. I'm sure there have been people, obviously, that have been called from these casting calls. But that is a tough way to audition. I mean, I hear like four or five, six hundred people are in line at a time. Yeah, it was crazy. I actually really hated it. But at the same time, I was like, well, I'm trying to be on Survivor. So like, I'm going to hate everything about every long day and not eating. And if I can't get my way through this line, then I can't get my way through this show. Mm -hmm. So and also I was like, once again, you got to think about what the casting person is watching, right? They're watching all these annoying people. So why don't I just make fun of them and be like, hey, we're on the same boat here. This guy, the guy in front of me who said he didn't know what he was going to do, did a full musical theater tap routine with like song and dance. I'm like, oh, really? You didn't know what you were going to do? Because that was a for <laughs> Right. Um, and that's always what they're looking for in your Survivor casting video is a whole like uh, song and dance routine. Literally a song and dance. I was like, well, I don't have that, but I do. I will make fun of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And he watched me too. He watched what I was saying, and I like had to walk away and like avoid eye contact. But <laughs> I was like, "Sorry, dude." And then I made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I guess I guess you won't be liked. And that was the thing. Like I went into it not caring about if anybody liked me or not, but I do know now as learning to get to know myself that that's actually something that really um, is important to me. Is that I feel liked. I'm not to say that it's healthy or not, but. You know, that's why this re- the relationships that I built out there are so solid because, you know, I, I'm not really good at faking it. Um, if I don't like someone, mm-hmm. I, like, you know, if someone bothers me, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious. So um, <laughs> even the, someone like Karen, who was really annoying, <laughs> I still actually love Karen. She's like, you know, your aunt that lives in the attic. Have because, you kept up with with her at all since Survivor? No, we had we were friends on you know social platforms, but um, we had a Zoom for 
it was like a reunion zoom Mm -hmm. during this pandemic. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Karen's crazy antics. I I was like more into watching Karen than I, I I was just fascinated. She's such Mm -hmm. a character. Our, our season had so many characters. I was just like mind blowing to see everybody together. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. Lynn Spillman and team did an amazing job getting a circus full of people that we all just, you know, I think it's because we all live together for like, you know, that one night, two nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have a little bit of a bond on both sides, both both tribes. How about Willard? You mentioned Willard <laughs> that you wanted to. Does anybody keep up with Willard? I tried to find Willard. Karen tried. To, Karen said she hired a private investigator. <laughs> yes. And she couldn't find him. She failed. So he's the, the hidden immunity idol now? He is the hidden immunity <laughs> idol. We cannot find Willard. <laughs> I mean, Where's I was like obsessed. I was obsessed with finding Willard. I was remembering that Willard said some like really nice things to me at the finale in New York when I was like throwing up backstage before he went on. And he, he was just he gave me some like fatherly advice and... Willard then became this enigma to me and I just really wanted to find Willard for the Zoom and we never found him. But bef- I, I thought I was like, I'd really like to call him if we get his number. And then Karen's like, I already hired someone. I already called. I was like, okay, Karen. Okay. So you should put Karen and I on an island. It would be, or just in a room, mm-hmm. put some cameras in there and see what happens. <laughs> now, Katie, hey, Katie, didn't you tell me if, if it had been between you and Ian that you actually thought the only vote you would have gotten would have been from Karen? I mean, maybe. Everybody I thought really I remembered you telling me that. I yeah, I did tell you that, but now I don't know. I don't. There was like this <laughs> weird thing before, you know. Obviously, I everyone was going to vote for Tom. I thought I'm like, do we even need to have this tri- final mm-hmm. tribal? Um, but there was a weird time where my family and I were going through numbers, like as the show was going on. We're like, would Karen vote for you? Like, just as like a Karen thing, you know, just to be really Kareny. Do you think Karen would vote for you? But Karen was so obsessed with Tom that there was no Karen. way. It, yeah. Karen is the original. She was the original Karen. She was the first Karen. <laughs> the OG. Uh. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You could do that until you're like crazy. Yeah. You know, like I think ultimately Tom was going to win and I was rooting for Tom to win the whole right. time, you know, because we'd never had a hero win before. So mm-hmm. as a viewer, yeah. And a player, I was like, this is such an awesome season. <laughs> yeah. Let's the, vote for Tom to win. That'd be great. Yeah. The one time, like the one shot that it feels like that you had at this thing was when uh, at the final seven, when you guys were going to uh, you make a move and then Karen ends up, uh, you know, reporting it back to Tom. Do you feel like uh, in hindsight, is that like what you look back at where maybe there might have been a shot at this thing? Yeah, that was the moment. That was the turning point. You know, you try and stay a couple steps ahead and the numbers were there. And I knew from there, it, you know, there was only a couple of ways it could have gone. And that was, that was a missed opportunity. We got, you know, Karen'd out. And, um, Tom was smart. You know, he had Karen as he was like flirt with Karen and like he had like this whole side Karen thing going on. They'd have like these breakfasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a sunrise breakfast <laughs> or whatever they were doing. But, you know, it was the, I think it was the only opportunity and it failed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately. It's okay. Does anybody keep up with Greg? 
Love Greg. Greg is also, you know, one of those family members. Um, Greg is really funny. You wouldn't know it from watching the show because he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And when he does, it takes him like 45 minutes to spit it out. But we all love Greg. Greg's actually super funny. He's so smart and he's such a likable human being and has got such a beautiful heart. Um, it's unfortunate that you didn't get to see a little bit more of that on the show because he was having this relationship with Jen and they were like in a, like a 80s romance movie. <laughs> But he's awesome. We all we we all have kept in touch during this pandemic, and I hope that we can all see each other uh, see each other real soon. Mm-hmm. Katie, did you give Greg his shorts back? I think so. I definitely told him. Yeah. I mean, I didn't keep them. We all wore Greg shorts at some point, but like, yeah, I think I did. And then I I was like. You know, you go, he actually I did because he was so freaking mean to me. I just remembered I blocked it out. I had like total PTSD from that final tribal. He was so mean to me. I was actually glad for a second that I pooped in his shorts. I wish I would say. What did he food. say? He said I was pathetic. <laughs> he said I was useless. He said something to the effect of me not being funny, which oh, really hit oh, hard. that's yeah. the way that oh, I know. Rick, that hit I below. Got, that was below the belt. Mm-hmm. It was his and poop then, shorts, mm-hmm. and then you took his shorts and threw them at him. <laughs> no, I like take your shorts back. My buff. Yeah, I when, cried when's my Greg's stand-up special dropping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got to do the Greg shit shorts show. <laughs> Greg shit show. Um, yeah, Greg is great. He was he felt really bad. I think he still feels really bad. Um, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Personal she should, it was so mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love that. Hey, Greg. Katie. Hey, Katie. I want to yes. ask you these quick words because so so your audience that you think you already know since you told the uh, wonderful Buffett story. I'm going to ask you these words. So tell me which applies to you. Fast, fast, fast. Okay, you ready? Wait, you're. It's like word association. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sorry. Okay, so you're going to say a word, and go. I'm going to say it's associated with no. me. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two words, and you're gonna say which one is you. Oh, okay. you ready? Yeah. Boots, heels, boots or heels? Boots. Beer, wine. Wine. Hiking or yoga? Hiking. Baseball, football. Baseball. Pizza, steak. Steak. Old school, new school. Old school. Cats, dogs. Dog. Beach, mountains. Uh, Both. Okay. Roses or daisies? Daisies. Last one. Survivor Amazon, Survivor Africa. Africa. Rob, I had to do it. I had to throw that one (laughs) in there. It's okay, T-Bird. I had to. Very good. Very did, I, did I do well on my own test? Mm-hmm. You did. You actually, you did. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, God, Katie. Katie, I didn't know that you were a matchmaker. So ca- is it okay if I say this? And if it's not, just tell me and I'll stop. So I talked to Katie a few weeks ago about trying to be a matchmaker for Katie. Is it okay for me to say that, Katie? Katie sure. is, is single. 
Can yes. we believe that Katie's you're, single? Yeah, that you're not gonna tell me you matched her up with the general, are you, Seabird? <laughs> no, but no, but but I seriously talked to her about trying to be a matchmaker for her a few weeks ago. Then I, when I'm doing a research, I read that she was a matchmaker. Yes, yeah. I didn't know that. So, Tiber, yeah. you reach out to the the survivor guests, and then you find out their dating status, and then you work on seeing if you can set them up with somebody. Well, I don't. Katie, how did it happen? How did Just it happen me. that we started this? Tiber could not believe a human such as myself that is so wonderful is actually single. Mm-hmm. So she was I asking. Can't. Well, look at the ones I pick. Buffett and we got the other one that didn't want to get married. I don't I'm the matchmaker that can't match yourself. It's fine. You know, Katie, earlier in the conversation, you said that you used to work at a matchmaking firm and then you would set up six people at a dinner. How how does that work? So it was six compatible singles to dine together, three men and three women. And it, there was no profiles involved except for ones that I created mm-hmm. um, that was for my own database. So I would interview everybody. I would, they would take personality tests. And then I would set them at the table. And the table was like a balance of, of people and personality types. You can't have like two type A people, mm-hmm. two type A males at the table because they'll fight over dominance. So it was basically... Um, producing people to sit together and have a good time with an idea of who might be a good match. And sometimes it was not who would be a good match. It would be like how fun of a table that would be because we wanted them to not quit mm-hmm. <laughs> the company. So what was the success ratio in terms of like you get six people at the dinner? Was it was that a higher hit rate than if you match people up one-on-one? Yes. So we had a one-on-one department, which I also worked in, but the tables of six, people tend to loosen up a little bit and there's not so much pressure. Yeah. So it, it, tables of six worked better. So going out in it, like a group environment was better than and one-on-one. Was it really like that you had like the two people that you wanted to get together and then basically the other people were sort of just like uh, window dressing of that they, they were there just to make sure that the like the, the real match that you wanted to see happen happened and the other people were there just to like laugh at the jokes? Yes. Yes. So the awkward silences. Yes. So I, sometimes I would actually, I had an idea of who I thought would be a good match within the company, but I didn't want to match them up just yet because I wanted them to stick around Mm -hmm. and go to some other dinners. So I would, there was multiple tables per night. So I would like set up the people at different tables. So they would be in the same restaurant, but they wouldn't be dining together. And then I would get an idea, like, because they see one another. And so I'd like slowly bring them together so then I can have a match. It seems a little puppet mastery, but I really enjoyed it. Say it, say it. <laughs> puppet master. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have where two people are competing for the same person? Because I feel like that you could spin this off, Katie, and, and combine all of your careers. And this could be the reality show that you could take to a network of dinner for six. And then we see that it's three men and it's three women and they're all at dinner. I mean, you could have sick, you, you could, I mean, you could expand this. You could have all, it's all men at the table. <laughs> yes. Yes. It That's really a hit is. show. All women. I, gender I fluid. Think, I think that you're onto something, Rob. I really do. And I think that, you know, all of my experiences doing that whole matchmaker thing helped me because I've worked on a lot of dating shows too. So, um, it gives me a little bit of perspective. And here's the twist. Sexy waiter comes in. And oh, then, oh, yeah. wait. Oh, when we get back, we'll <laughs> surprise the table for six with the sexy waiter. 
I like Leo <laughs> Gordon. Yeah, this is a good show. <laughs> you could have and the then, um, the you could have the guy that seats him so at the table. Some somebody right. you could have you could find you could Willard. This. Yeah, get Willard to to actually seat the people at the tables. Willard Smith, mm-hmm. if you can find oh him. Oh my God, Willard. He could actually just be the host. <laughs> you can't you can put Willard him. around too many people. Yeah. <laughs> T-Bird, do you have anything else for Katie? Katie, from the minute I talked to you, what, a few months ago, I just fell in love with you. You've got the cutest personality, the cutest smile. Your voice is what I told you to. I love to hear your voice. I just want to um, read this one thing that one of your castmates um, said about you, okay? This was behind the scenes. It better be nice. It better be nice. We've been setting this up. Yeah. All right. Behind the scenes. It's from Karen. (laughs) Actually, I found Willard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Behind the scenes. There was a moment where Katie and I were talking in the shelter. We rarely talked game because Ian was smart enough to keep us apart, where we both realized we were about to give info and maybe switch things up. I felt it. She felt it. It is one of my biggest regrets not trying harder with her in that moment. Katie later said she was always willing to go where the power went. Just happened in our season, the power stayed with that one alliance, which looked very old school. But I think Katie, like me, was one of the few people out there playing a new school game before we even knew what that meant. I am forever grateful she got my single vote. I get asked about that all the time from fans. Why? I felt in my speech I was clear my vote would go to whoever owned their game and told the truth. Tom sold his, quote, all-American hero story, end quote, but Katie told Janu off, which I respected the honesty of it. Katie deserved my vote, and Tom losing the first unanimous win is just a cherry on top. I stick to what I said out there that her flaw was the only that she only played to her own alliance, but in real life, she is one of my very favorite people. You know who that is, I'm sure. Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. Can he get a ding? Yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You <laughs> oh, get a ding. that's so sweet. Yeah. Of course, the other guys don't have anything to say about me. <laughs> yeah, tell the, the people dog story. I was loyal to, and mm-hmm. sweet Kobe has the nicest thing to say. I really do love him. I I was so confused of why we weren't closer. You know, he just, he seemed guarded like myself um, in that way. And he's playing so early that he had to go. Um, and I'm bummed about it because I would love to play with him. He's so good. Yeah. Love you, Kobe. Yep. Kobe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Ka- Katie, <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? Oh my gosh, I feel like I've already told too much. I, I'm still feeling very odd about this whole Buffett thing. I'm like blushing. Um, <laughs> do you no. do you want to play again? Katie, do you want to play again? Would you play again? Oh, the game of Survivor or this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Either or. Both. Yes. Sure. Sure. I'm an old lady now, but you know, like I, I would love to play in a way that um you know, an old lady could play, but I don't think that they would ever ask me back. But sure, Katie, I would... you're 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 45. From where I'm sitting, that's not an old lady, right? Sorry, at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're T Birdie. You are like you know, 
I mean, I'm just a regular person and I feel really grateful that I was able to play that, that game yeah. and that, you know, they, they took a shot on a regular person. Um, you know, it's a jocks game and I'm not a jock and I was able to like infiltrate the jock world for a minute and just be myself and be accepted or not accepted for being myself. And for that, I'm grateful. Do you have any advice for any woman who's listening who might be a future Survivor player? Yeah. I mean, across the board, I think Lex gave me this advice. You know, he, he, I reached out to Lex real quick. I reached out to Lex um, because my nephew was a very big fan of his um, during All Stars. And my, it was my nephew's birthday. And I wanted to have like a signed picture of Lex for him or something. Mm-hmm. Like he cut his hair into a mohawk um, and just loved Lex. And so I reached out to Lex and he called me back and we ended up having a conversation. And I told him I was a finalist for Africa. And he was like, how, how come you haven't tried out again? And I told him I just, I wasn't sure why I didn't make it the first time just yet. And it just, the timing wasn't right. And he said, um, I, we figured it out that I wasn't truly myself when I did it the first time I was, I was guarded Mm -hmm. and he told me to be myself to the millionth power because there's nothing that you can be out there besides yourself. And I continue to give that advice um, to anyone that asks, you know, even my nephews now are getting to the age where they want to apply. And it's like, you got to figure out who you are faults and, and all of it, all the dirty stuff. Cause all that stuff's going to come out when you're out there. Cause you're stripped of everything that makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel secure when you're on survivor. You just, you, you're just raw you. So just own it flaws and all and go for it and believe in yourself. Cause it really is. It's all up here. If you start to, to doubt yourself or get your ego gets too big, it won't work. But I think that if you just believe in yourself, it can happen. <laughs> Okay, uh, that was great advice. You got a ding from T-Bird. Yes. And is there anything that I, I know that uh, you're not big on like the uh, all the social media and everything, but is there anything you want people to follow or check out? Um, I mean, I'm definitely a big fan of um, Ian's organization. He makes me feel like a, a, a very small creature in the world because he's just putting some really beautiful things out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely um, give him that. And uh, I am a, was a spokesperson for um, heart disease, which is the number one killer of women in America. Yeah. Maybe not right now. It's pandemic, but um, <clears throat> yeah, get yourself checked out, get your boobs checked out, get yourself checked out. That's advice for myself as well. You know, um, it's a silent killer. So be aware and don't be embarrassed about something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Don't be embarrassed about pooping in shorts, mm-hmm. you know, because you could have a colon problem that you don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, give us your um, Instagram. I know you're on Instagram. Katie to Gypsy, I believe is my Instagram. Don't ask. <laughs> okay. um, I was a gypsy, you know, mm-hmm. floating around like a gypsy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you're in Manhattan, hey, Katie, I- vote for Eliza. <laughs> yeah, that election's not for a while. <laughs> That's not till June. Katie, I hope you write. I hope you write that book that you talked about earlier. And I think that you and Rob C working together on a project would be a home run. I can't wait to podcast every episode. Both of, of you Dinner guys. For Six. Both of you guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Katie, yes. keep making more shows because I need stuff to podcast about. Um, yeah, if you want to watch, I have a show coming out on Netflix on November oh, what, 6th what is it? or 9th. What is it? Um, it's a show. It's actually um, a really beautiful story. Uh, it's called Country Ever After. It's a family show. Um, and it's on Netflix, and I believe it starts on the 9th or the 6th. Country right, Ever no. After. Ever, what, what's the, what's the show after. about? Um, so it's a story. It's a family show. Like I mentioned, we have an African-American country music artist and his wife, who is a white hip hop dancer. And there's three children. And it's reality, and right? It's reality. Yeah. yeah. It's just a really fun, beautiful, heartfelt show. Um, Priscilla, the wife is um, battling cancer, which just happened to be something that happened and we followed it. Mm-hmm. And um, being my personal experience with, you know, losing my best friend to cancer. Um, it was just a really, it, it ripped my heart open and made it bigger uh, in a good way all at the same time. Okay. Check that out on Netflix yeah. uh, this November, yeah. Country Ever After. Okay. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much. You know, somebody recently, somebody young was telling me that they were listening to Rob's podcast. Mm-hmm. and um, Probably not that young. No, but... Younger than I imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, I saw you on it. And it was when I was super drunk, like Miss Hannigan at that <sighs> premiere. And I didn't know that like Rob as a podcast was happening. I thought I already did that stuff before we started. So mm-hmm. I got super drunk and super embarrassed. So I apologize. I didn't mean to be Miss Hannigan, but that kid was like, yeah, I thought you were great. I was like, yeah, we didn't even <laughs> watch that. We don't, we don't even watch that. <laughs> uh, the, no. the whole night was such a mess. <laughs> It was really a mess, yeah. but so fun. And um, congratulations on what you do. Yeah, thank you. That was the last time I left my house. So that was really <laughs> wonderful. Well, you can't go outside, Rob. Yeah, we shut it down. <laughs> I love you both. Thank you for yeah. having me on thank the show. You, I feel Katie. honored. Okay. I feel honored. All right. And, then, and this will be up early next week, probably uh, Monday or Tuesday next week. Awesome. Okay. Good job. All right. Take care, Katie. I love thank you, Katie. I love you, Katie. I'll talk soon. Love you, darling. Love you. Bye, Katie. Bye. Bye, Katie. All right, T-Bird, there you go. How about that? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was a wild ride. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I thought it might be. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty sure it might be. So, yes. All right, so I'm still recording. Keep yeah. it going. Okay, you're good. good. That's good to hear, T-Bird. That was great. good. I mean, it went longer than I thought it was going to go. Yeah. So that was... Uh, she was story. great. She's great. Yeah, some some good stories. Yeah, some great stories. No, she's a storyteller. That uh, I feel like she that, is uh, a storyteller. She missed her calling. I feel like doing stand up. But she's such a performer, and she could tell yes. a great story. And I feel like that that's such a you know a great skill set. Rob, yes, I mean she has got so much going for her. Everything you just said, and I think that I, I've got to mention this that she said that the character that reminds her the most even though she's authentic one of a kind i totally agree with that but that you are the one that you remind her of herself what a huge compliment bell <laughs> thank yeah. you bell yeah, well, i mean I that's huge that. rob because rob i mean you are the same you are a great storyteller and and that's there's an art to that because people want to listen they want to know what's next, and and you're the same exact way. That's why you've been so successful. Oh well, so okay. yes, uh, thank you, T-Bird. Let's not get too carried away. But no, I'm just I'm totally serious, and I'm serious about you two doing a project together. Would be fantastic. 
Yeah, I so, mean, uh, she, Katie's had a really great career. That I don't know if if it even uh, you know came across uh, like uh, all of the things that she's done since the show. So uh, really impressed with what she's been able to do because this is not easy for like a lot of people that go on these reality shows think that they can just break into behind the scenes stuff, and that, that is not easy to do. Right. But remember, you know, like I said in her intro, she's very, very intelligent, graduated mm-hmm. magna cum laude from her class. So, but, I mean, the thing about Katie is she's she's obviously very intelligent and smart, but she's so fun and spirited and sassy that she she just makes you comfortable just talking to her. From the minute I talked to her for the first time on the phone, I think I called her for something. I was comfortable with her immediately. Liked her immediately. Yeah, she's just a, you know, legendary social player. Hey, look, she's calling me right now on the phone. Should we put her in? Put her in. <laughs> no, Let's no, put her in. Let's put her, her in. You should answer her. Okay, okay. Hey, girl. Was it, did you say, was it boring? I just was like, was that so boring? See, like, what story was I actually this is <laughs> This is the weirdest thing that's ever happened on the podcast. So, we, we just hung up with you, but you're on the, but you're on the phone calling T-Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're still recording. That's what I told her. We're still recording, talking about how how fun it was. And boring was not the word that, that either one of us used. Yeah, right, Rob? nobody that listened to that podcast could say, but that was boring. Because <laughs> I was telling weird stories. It's just because you asked. What me do you to, think podcasts I, are for? I don't know. I don't do podcasts, Rob. Yeah, I no, this is not that, that you were perfect. Okay. I mean, it's still right. perfect because I'm still here. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this when I call like Tom and Ian and Greg and ask them why the fuck they didn't say nice things about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I- yeah. Now hold it a minute. Hold it a minute. I did not reach out to Greg. Greg would have some really nice things to say. Okay. Uh, Greg would have. I didn't reach out to Greg. I did reach out to Ian, but he, he did not get back with me because... Sometimes Ian's hard to get because he's he's traveling to Haiti and he goes all these places. That's no excuse. Okay, so don't give him a hard time. So so Stephanie Stephanie got back with me immediately. Stephanie got back with me immediately. Okay, Stephanie. Tom Tom got back with me immediately (laughs) and um (laughs) and said to say the Buffett story. I didn't I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So, I know you didn't, but you caught very often. But I did not reach out to Greg, and I did not hear back from Ian. But but anyway, it's fine. I know how Ian feels about me. I yeah. think I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what he's mad about. They said he smelled like clams. But it's fine. I could say some really mean things about those guys, but I wouldn't because I really do love them, and I love you guys. And thank you for telling me that. It wasn't boring and that we're still recording. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> hey, love you. Bye. Yeah, bye. Love bye, you, Katie. bye. <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh. T-Bird, this okay. was like the greatest ending to uh, one of these episodes. So, Rob, we went, what I was saying is we went a lot longer than I yeah. thought we were going to go. So, that's good because I kept waiting for you to say, you know, it's Big Brother night. And you didn't, so I thought that meant well, you yeah, were Well, yeah, it is a Big Brother night for me. So let's start to uh, wrap, wrap okay, things up. Okay, let's Anyway, Teeper, great, great job here today. Looking forward to uh, some more talking with Teeper next week. Anything else you want to tell the listeners? Yeah, Braves. Yeah. It's oh, Braves okay. night. All right. Yeah. We'll so it's two, you know, Braves two, Dodgers one. Well, We've got I, another game the tonight. the might so. be over by the time people are listening to this. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right, that's right. So the Very Braves would have... a couple of days would've... ahead of us, or... 
So the Braves would have won the World Series when this. When I don't this think airs. so. Okay, no, great. No, that's, that's even better. No, it's not, that, even not better. that many days. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> T-Bird, are you a Falcons <laughs> fan? Well, I'm from Atlanta, so I, you know, I never hear you I'd talk like about say, them. Well, there's not much lately, to talk about. Lately, there hadn't been too much to say, but yeah, I would say I'm a Falcons fan. I, you know, but see, Rob, I'm not really a good spectator. It's hard for me to sit for a few for hours. So I'm a fan that doesn't sit and watch the games. That probably didn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. You're a fan in your heart. Yes, yes. I'm a fan in my heart. Okay. All yes. right. T-Bird, uh, great job today. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening, of course. Uh, support for talking with T-Bird comes from the patrons of Rob's podcast. Find out more about everything we're doing over at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.